This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big line? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. The sun and the wind and the rain The color of blue in your sweet eyes The sight of a high-balling train The moonrise over a prairie An old love that you've made new And this year when okay, I count Okay, welcome back. Thanksgiving morning as you go about... Uh, going to your family and friends gathering, many of you going to church services. Larry, what, what did the pilgrims and the Puritans for a relatively small group numerically, what did they stamp upon the American character that informs us today centuries later? Easy. That, that uh, the relationship with God was a, a bottom-up relationship. It could not be dictated by uh, bishops or popes or or viziers or anybody else. And that um, your uh, organizations that worship God had to be from the people. Um, and and that, uh, as we went out and, and saw numerous new uh, uh, denominations appear, especially in the early 1800s, like the Methodists, for example, that this became the common approach to almost everything. Most of these were, were in fact, uh, grassroots. There were, there were a few, like the American Presbyterian Church, that were still top down. But this is really a, a democratic church to go with a common law, which was a democratic government. And those two things made us a feisty people. Uh, I'm convinced it's a difference between uh, what we have and, you know, Steve, you and I and others have talked about how easy it was for Canada and Australia and so-called democracies to just lock down. And I'd have friends. So how, how can they do this? Aren't these democracies? Well, yes, they're democracies, but they don't have those pillars of American exceptionalism that say, no, power isn't from top down. Power is from bottom up, and they do what we tell them, not not the reverse. Now, sometimes they get away with it for a little while, but not for very long. And you think that's the just the natural, I don't want to say cussedness, but um, really belief um, in oneself and one's relationship to God. And that's a one-on-one -on -one relationship from you to to him or it or however you describe it. But that is what yeah. brings us not just individuality because it's not really libertarian at the end of the day it has a strong sense of community but uh that kind of uh that 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 cussedness rolls through you see it in the revolution right you later see it in the in the in the civil war is that still with us today did you did, do you see that is that that is this the burning embers that i don't i don't want to politicize things too much uh on a on a uh, thanksgiving morning but is that is that what this fight is about today? That what the, what the pilgrims um, uh, brought here and uh, uh, is about individualism and, and and standing up for oneself and what one thinks is morally um, uh, right uh, to to stand up. That you think that's what the, you thought, whether it's the mass mandates or the shutdowns or the lockdowns or the vaccine mandates, this kind of the honoriness and what the mainstream media and the elite absolutely hate is the the non sheeple the non-sheep nature of this right. kind of populist uh trump movement well you know uh, let me start with you mentioned the revolution and this this feeling this uh uh permeated the whole revolution that that uh, your relationship to god was critical and that uh your right to freely choose how to worship was very important and one thing that people forget it's easily overlooked 
is that in the so-called intolerable acts uh, after the Boston Tea Party when they locked down Boston, one of the big acts that almost never gets any mention or press was that it moved um, America, the uh, colonies of America, under the uh, organizational supervision of Quebec. Now, the reason that was doubly bad was that, first of all, it was a foreign uh, source in charge of American operations, not American colonies. But second of all, Quebec was a, a Catholic colony at the time. And many of these people, not all of them, because we had Catholic Maryland, but it's very interesting, Steve, even in Catholic Maryland, they had a very bottom-up structure in their churches, and, and they did not take direct um, orders from the Pope the way others in Europe would. They were quite quite rebellious, and it didn't take long before Maryland had so few Catholics that, that Protestants dominated the community anyway. So the point is that there was this this order that all of a sudden puts this vast number of American Protestants under the Catholic Church, that wasn't going to stand. So as we move forward into our current history, yes, there is this individualistic strain. And I think, uh, you know, we just had an election and, and people, I think, were surprised that uh, Governor Whitmer in Michigan won that the administration of the Wolf in Pennsylvania, different governor, but it's his administration won, that uh, Evers in Wisconsin won, and that Mike DeWine in Ohio won. One of these all had in common. They were all big lockdown states. What's going on? You, you go to the other end of the country and you had Brian Kemp, you have Ron DeSantis, you have uh, Christy Nome. Uh, these states all rejected the lockdowns early on and, and you have guys like DeSantis winning by 20 points, known by 27 points. So what's going on? And one analysis I saw of this is that today there is a very definite um, division caused in large part by COVID. And that was those in America who think that the government exists to keep them safe and to protect their lives. And those who think the government exists to keep them free and let them make their own decisions. And, and I think that's very clear in how people voted to keep in such what I think are horrible politicians like Gretchen Whitmer. What, um, before we move to Lincoln and, and, and move the story forward, the Norman Rockwell um, concept of Thanksgiving from the, from the, the greeting cards and, and all the, you know, everything feels like Stockbridge, Massachusetts, with the beautiful leaves and the, and the, and the full bountiful. You know, from the Norman Rockwell paintings, the bountiful um, uh, tables with turkey and everybody getting ready to to eat the cranberry sauce. H how much of that? How did that evolve over time to be the modern concept of looking back of what Thanksgiving was for the pilgrims? Because clearly, it wasn't like that for the pilgrims themselves. Although they had a surplus, they were still. You know, they were still somewhat uh, uh, what it says, it, 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 subsistence farmers, right, right, for a while. And when did well, the, I mean, they when, when did the Hallmark and Norman Rockwell come in? They were going to have a lot of things you won't see on most Thanksgiving tables, like eels <laughs> and, and, and a lot of uh, crabs and fish. Remember, they were a, a coastal community, and they were going to have a lot of seafood there. Um you know, I can't pinpoint when when we started to see a transition to this. You, you do mention Rockwell, and it's interesting that in Patriots history, Mike and I highlight Norman Rockwell as the American painter. And it drives liberals crazy. They hate Norman Rockwell because he never pulled punches and he didn't um, abstain from pointing out injustices as he did with the uh, picture of the black schoolgirl with the marshals. But nevertheless, he always saw the best in America. And, and this drives people crazy when they want to highlight uh, the dark side, the Andy Warhol kind of side uh, of America. But yes, it is. Today, we kind of see these pictures. And I think today, because we've seen the pictures, that's what we expect to see on the table. And uh, I don't know about you, but I grew up and one part of Thanksgiving was always the Dallas Cowboys football game, right? Detroit Lions and Dallas Cowboys. And, 
And so it's, it's all become a part of this kind of uh, national mystique that you don't see uh, in any other country. No other country has a day that, that they just dedicate uh, to God to thank him for you know, getting them out of the wilderness. That had really, although it took place in the Plymouth colonies, we, the story cuts ahead till, what is it, Lincoln. It was, it was during the Civil War that it started to become a, really a national holiday or really a thing. Yeah. Up until that time, it was in, uh, it was in our civic memory, but maybe not as, uh, annual occurrence. Tell us how it got onto the calendar and how it became something that it is the holiday that we see today. Well, uh, it comes down to Gettysburg again. You know, in Lincoln's life, Gettysburg proved so pivotal in, in so many ways. And I want to talk in just a minute when we uh, get done with this about uh, how it changed Lincoln personally in terms of his Christian experience. But after Gettysburg, uh, Lincoln was so profoundly moved by the cost that was being paid to keep the union together. And again, this was his only goal, keep the union together. And so in October of 1863, he decided that the nation should have a day of Thanksgiving in November that he designated a Thursday in November that we today now celebrate as, as Thanksgiving. And it was as much in honor of the fallen at Gettysburg as it was in, in honor of any particular uh, other Thanksgiving uh, in the nation. So it, it's kind of interesting how uh, he tied the two together, the, the Civil War and America's founding. Talk to us about that. How, how did he how did he come up with the idea? Did, did they because it was going to be a day of national Thanksgiving? Did they actually harken back even at that time to the founding of the to the founding of the nation? And did that tie did that inform the Gettysburg Address, which basically took place the week before is on the 19th, I believe, of November right. when he went to the well, actual he went to yeah. the actual cemetery himself. It's really important to understand uh, the greatness of Lincoln. I know there's a lot of libertarians that don't like Lincoln because of his war um, administration and, and how uh, quasi dictatorial he was. And his answer to that was always, my goal is to keep the union together. And if the people don't like it, they can vote me out. Um, but at the Gettysburg address, Lincoln did something that virtually no other president uh, had done and, and that was he tied together explicitly the Declaration and the Constitution. And, and that is, he said that um, the Constitution had to be uh, dedicated to a proposition. Uh, the Constitution is no good if it's not dedicated to a proposition. Uh, this is why so many written constitutions around the world are useless. They're not dedicated to any proposition. But ours was dedicated to the proposition that um, that our creator made man with certain unalienable rights. And among these were the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is the purpose for which the Constitution exists, to guarantee those founding rights in the Declaration. So, uh, in a sense, Lincoln is passing that forward. And he's saying, all right, so we're, we're going back to the Revolution and then we're going back to the Constitution. And now with this great war we have, we're going to pay tribute forward with thanksgiving for all those things that we've gotten up to this time. It's, it's pretty genius the way he tied all these together. Yeah. Larry, well, hang on for one second. Uh, it's our Thanksgiving special. want to thank all of our sponsors. Make sure you go to MyPillow.com. Promo code WARM. The big sales have started 90% off, up to 90% off. On certain topics and certain uh, products. So make sure you go check it out. We're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to be back with our Thanksgiving special with Larry Swiker, the co author of The Patriots History of the United States. This year when I count my blessings, I'm thanking the Lord He made you. The time comes to be going, it won't be in sorrow and tears. You know what's never good? 
when your nation's supposed authority on economic policy completely misses the flashing red lights of impending inflation. Now, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has finally admitted, quote, there's been an unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted energy and food prices and supply bottlenecks that affected our economy badly that I didn't at the time fully understand, end quote. You know who understands the real threat of inflation? People who invested in gold and silver with Birch Gold Group. They're protecting their savings from a highly turbulent economy by diversifying their 401k or IRA into gold, physical gold. It's not too late for you to take action now. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 and get a free info kit on diversifying and protecting your savings with precious metals. With an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers, text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898. And get the real help from Birch Gold today. Again, text Bannon to 989898 to claim your free, no-obligation information kit on protecting your savings with gold. The color of blue in your sweet eyes, the sight of a high-balling train. The moonrise over a prairie, an old love that you've made new. And this year when I count my blessings, I'm thanking the Lord he made you. It's Thursday, the 24th of November in the year of our Lord, 2022. It's our Thanksgiving special, drawn by Larry Swikert, the co-author of The Patriot's History of the United States. Of course, many other books, but it was a seminal work, fifth um, edition, 34th printing. And I think Larry's got a lot more books in him that I know he's working on. Larry, you know, it's interesting. Uh, they had set up Thanksgiving to be the last thursday i think or the fourth thursday at that time i know they had to shift it but and he had the gettysburg address at night at, at uh i think the week before is on the 19th um and of course the battle was the first what the second uh the first second and third mm-hmm. of uh july it's interesting you talk about divisions in the country and I've, I've said this i think once in the show and a couple times in speeches you talk about divisions in the country and how divided the country was, you know, and they're obviously they're fighting a great civil war. And, and by 1863, they knew they were into it, that this thing was not going to end quickly and it was not going to end without a lot of blood. But even the divisions within Washington and the divisions in the government and the divisions between the military and the government and, and, and factions in the military. People are at each other's throats. And I, I always use a specific example. When they relieved Hooker after Chancellorsville and, uh, and, and Lincoln had just had enough and he relieved, uh, he relieved Hooker. Uh, they had a huge debate about who was going to take the, who was going to take the command. And they finally made a decision after a, a late night discussion and they selected George Gordon Meade, uh, and Gordon to take over the Army of the Potomac. This time Lee's already coming up. You know, into through Maryland into Pennsylvania, and they're swinging around. What they're trying to do is hit Philadelphia and cause chaos in New York City and Philadelphia, Washington, surround Washington D.C., Baltimore, and they're heading to the Susquehanna River and, and Harrisburg, the capital. And their advance guards, I think Jubal Early and other units, are already well ahead, well past Gettysburg, and um, they make a decision and, and Meade is a core commander and he's in his tent. I think it's one or two o'clock in the morning. And he uh, wrote a memoir that he put a, a letter in that he written his wife the day after he assumed command or a couple of days after he assumed command. And when the, when the adjutant came to his tent at one in the morning and, and kind of, you know, knocked on it and, and, and pulled back the thing to wake Meade up. And Meade, I think, was only the first corps was only, I think, 30 or 40 miles from from the town of Gettysburg, the crossroads right there. But he was just corps commander. And they came in as he got out of bed and put his feet on the floor. He told his wife. The very first thought that went through his mind is that he was being placed under arrest. Mm. 
<laughs> that he's going to be placed under arrest. The, 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 because the tensions were so strong, the, the backbiting was so strong, they were so divided. Because quite frankly, they had just had the tables run on them t over and over and over again. And Lincoln had come to wit's ends. G George Gordon Meade did not want command of the Army of the Potomac uh, right. at all. He accepted it that on the spot. It, it, basically, Lincoln signed and it was an order. It wasn't asking you, hey, come to Washington, let's have a meeting and talk about it. They basically gave him the command right there and gave him a command to say, hey, there's an invasion going on and you have to stop it. Um, it shows you that was less than six months. It's five and a half months until a day of national Thanksgiving on this great on this great victory. And I think that that speech um, and the reason remember that the speech you had um, the famous orator who really, uh, at, at Gettysburg, the dedication, he was there, I think it was Everett, was one of the great orators of the day. His speech at Gettysburg was almost three hours long, I think it was, yeah. or two hours long. Unbelievable. He was the major thing to dedicate. And he predic he based his upon uh, uh, Pericles' uh, yeah. speech to the Athenians about the Athenian war debt. In fact, where Everett went through the entire battle, and tied it back. And if you read Everett's speech, it's very powerful. Now, it's it's very long for, for current sensibilities, but he takes a very classic structure of probably the most famous speech or one of the most famous speeches in the Judeo-Christian West, and particularly in our tradition of liberty and democracy and freedom, this great speech that Pericles gave about the Athenian war dead and what they had died to defend. Everett said the same thing. And yet Everett's not remembered at all. Lincoln's was really an afterthought. In fact, he was scribbling. He stayed at the hotel right there in the square, but he was scribbling up to the, on the train on the way up, to kind of his thoughts on it. He had thought about it a lot, reflected, but I think his speech, correct me if I'm wrong, is less than three minutes long. And then it captures not just the entire uh, concept of, of, of the war, but really ties the, the, the nation back to its founding and founding really the pilgrims and obviously the revolution and all the great documents. But that is, and then he decides right before then, you should have a national day of, of Thanksgiving. That is that Thanksgiving that that obviously only a Northern tradition, a Northern tradition at the time, was that embraced by people immediately thereafter is that we have to have a day of a continual day of Thanksgiving to give Thanksgiving to God, to, to thank God. It, it was uh, a little tougher in the South. You know, the, the story that, um, in the Spanish-American War, they had to appoint Governor or Governor General Wheeler, who was really quite old at the time and was a Confederate general, in order to kind of unify the nation uh, behind the war. And and it was a great uh, uh, shock to everybody when the U.S. troops on trains were going through the South to get down to Tampa to depart for the uh, Spanish-American War in Cuba. That the people were coming out cheering them. These were people who had hated the Yankee soldiers just a few years uh, earlier. But I, I want to take this a slightly different direction. You know, uh, Lincoln captures, he's going through these changes. And with the um, uh, Gettysburg Address, he captures a change in, in the national thrust. The direction, because at that time, despite the fact that we had had an incredible victory, a union had incredible victory at Gettysburg and at Vicksburg uh, the following day, July 4th, um, Lee got away and his army got away. And, you know, I thought you were going to say something to the effect of look at how many generals uh, Lincoln went through. Because he goes through five or six generals, and it was very political. He's constantly fighting against all these congressmen and, and other military guys who want the job. Or you got to put my guy in charge. It reminded me a lot of Trump and how President Trump was backstabbed constantly. Uh, but it, it happened in Lincoln's time, too. But the point I yeah, wanted to I make. Did, I, did, I did forget to add. I did forget to add that Meade was fired. Meade was essentially relief for cause. Six months later, because he did not cap, he did not crush the Army of Northern Virginia after Gettysburg. He didn't destroy the army, which is what Lincoln he had him pinned against the river. Right. And, and, 
Yeah. He had them pinned against yeah. the river and, and a storm came in and made the made it impassable for them. All he had to do is move in and he would have he would have finished them off. But um the point I wanted to make is that Lincoln was also going through a personal uh growth during this time, uh, spiritually. And um he had been uh, uh, quite a believer in his youth. As you know, he studied the Bible when he would plow fields and things. And no president has ever written using more biblical phrases and biblical phraseology than Abraham Lincoln has. But in his 20s, uh, early 20s, mid 20s, he not only departed, he became quite hostile to the Christian faith to the point that, that he was saying that uh, they were a bunch of charlatans and so on and so forth. What happens is that by the time the Civil War arrives, he's starting to move back to the Christian faith. And while all this turmoil is going on, he's wondering, are we are we the union going to win this war? Is God on our side? You know, is God on their side? Whose side is God on? He's going through a personal transformation. And so I wanted to read this very short passage where um, he was talking to an Illinois clergyman. and. Um, the clergyman said, do you love Jesus? And Lincoln said, when I left Springfield, I asked the people to pray for me. I was not a Christian. When I buried my son, the severest trial of my life, I was not a Christian. But when I went to Gettysburg and I saw the graves of those thousands of our soldiers, I then and there consecrated myself to Christ. Yes, I love Jesus. So um, Lincoln not only was going through national political turmoil at that time, he was going through personal spiritual turmoil where, where he was wrestling with, am, am I going to surrender my Larry, hang on for a second, because I've never, uh, give me that one again. That's great. I actually didn't know that. I pride myself in knowing a lot about Lincoln, being from Richmond, Virginia. You know, Lincoln is Lincoln and Lee are so... Giants, uh, when you're growing up, give me okay, we got so about a minute. Can you read that a section? The again? phrase again is uh, a, a clergyman from Illinois asked, asked him, Do you love Jesus? And he said, When I went to Springfield, I asked the people to pray for me. I was not a Christian. When I buried my son, the severest trial of my life, I was not a Christian. But when I went to Gettysburg and I saw the graves of thousands of our soldiers, I then and there consecrated myself to Christ. Yes. I love Jesus, and I can get you the uh, footnote for that. Wow. I tell you what, let's take a break. Uh, we're going to come back. I want to come up to the current time, talk about the customs, traditions. Have we lost? We talk about losing the meaning of Christmas. Have we lost the true meaning of Thanksgiving and all the hustle and bustle they're going about? Larry Swikert, the author of the seminal work, Patriot's History of the United States. Uh, fifth edition, 34th printing, not too shabby. It's been in constant print since uh, the day they came out with it. Short commercial break, back in a moment. The Lord, he made you. This year when I count my blessings. Look, you did the tough thing during COVID. You paid your people and you pulled your business through the pandemic. And now doing the tough thing could qualify you for up to 26 thousand dollars per employee at covettaxrelief.org government funds are available to reward companies with two or more employees who stayed open during covid this is not a loan and you don't have to pay it back this program is complicated but nobody knows more about it than the cpas and tax experts at covettaxrelief.org you pay nothing up front they do all the work and share a percentage of the cash they get you Businesses of all types, including nonprofits and churches, can qualify, including those who took PPP loans, even if you had an increase in sales. You did the tough thing for your employees during COVID. Let COVIDTaxRelief.org help get you up to $26,000 per employee. Visit COVIDTaxRelief.org. That's COVIDTaxRelief.org. Do this today. Take action at COVIDTaxRelief.org. And, and one of the hobbits is standing on the parapets and they're looking out at this massive orc army and uh, the hobbit looks up at him and he goes, uh, uh, so, you know, are we going to win? And, and Gandalf says, no, probably not. We're probably going to die. He says, but sometimes these are the kinds of battles that are the best to fight. These are the ones you must fight. And uh, I think really Lincoln didn't know how things were going to turn out then. 
uh, people forget that uh, a year after Gettysburg, some of the worst bloodletting in the entire Civil War occurred with Battle of the Crater and, and um, some of the other attacks around the trench works at, uh, at Richmond, just hor horrific bloodshed. Um, and uh, Cold Harbor, for example. Uh, so it was another year of, of solid combat before. Well, well really the, 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 the Overland campaign with Grant, it started right, you know, just heading down Route 1 or today, 95, you go from Spotsylvania to really where they had refought so many times. And finally, at Cold Harbor, you know, they had a mutiny. You know, yeah. they didn't let the press there. The, I think the seventh charge, it was in 17 minutes, they lost 7,000 men or something. And the seventh wave would not get out of the trenches. They were just getting slaughtered so badly. And they suppressed yeah. that from the press. Or, or, you know, Grant just was grinding it out, was going to break Lee's army, you know, in front of Richmond. And then that siege, if it had not been for the fall of Atlanta, remember, Lincoln actually wrote up, the, remember the famous memo where he said, hey, it looks like we're going to be voted out of office. And, you know, they talk about Trump and the insurrection. They, 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 Lincoln, you know, wrote, I think wrote the memo to the cabinet say, Hey, look, it looks pretty grim. Look, this is, I think in August before Atlanta fell over on September 1st with Sherman that, and I think he put the cabinet on notice to say, if we're voted out of office, you know, I've got to bring this thing to a conclusion. And I think it was kind of open-ended about what he was, <laughs> what he was talking. Are you going to leave on time? I know the transition is not to March, but what does that mean? No, Lincoln, and this is, I think the libertarians, you know, hate him, but, and you said he was a quasi warlord. I think he was a total warlord. I mean, he mm -hmm. ran this thing. And remember, he didn't want to fight with Sherman. And these guys told you that the South, the, the Southern people had so much pride and so much toughness, even the people that were not involved in slavery at all. That Sherman told him, you're going to have to burn the Confederacy to the ground. You're not going to, you're not going to be, you're not going to defeat armies and beat these people. You're going to have to burn it to the ground. And it ended up burning Columbia, South Carolina and Charleston and of course Atlanta and Richmond. And they basically had to take the torch to, to, to torch to the enemy to, to kind of break it. But that's why I think the spiritual times of the Civil War are the greatest times in our history. And it, it talks about Thanksgiving. If you think about it, Larry, when you talk about the pilgrims, that was all struggle. Yes, they had surplus. And I'm sure they had some good days, but every day is just a, a, a heroic struggle to even survive on this foothold, this little teeny part of the coast, right? With this whole vast continent in front of it and vast continent filled with a lot, you know, folks that were here and fighting each other all the time, you know, the Indians and these different alliances and different constant wars they had going on time against each other, wars of conquest. And then you look at the Civil War, the massive struggle of the Civil War. Uh, and, and, and the Thanksgiving holiday really comes out there. Thanksgiving is really, I think, um, embodied with the sense of, a, uh, of American struggle and the, and the thanks that comes on the other side of it. Well, I don't, I think this is important. I don't think Lincoln was giving thanks for victory. I think he was giving thanks for the nation and basically saying to God, you have your way with this nation. If anything, and I kind of never thought about this before, but if anything, I, I think it was on that Thanksgiving that Lincoln basically handed the country over to God and say, it's in your hands from here on out. We, we won these big victories. It apparently isn't working. Um, what do we need to do? Oh, tell me about that. I think that's brilliant. Tell me that's that's quite interesting. It wasn't it well, wasn't thanks that we can see our way through this. It's thanks that just turned it over. It's in God's hands in in where your instruments, right? Right. Well, you look at it. You mentioned that Lee's army got away. Um, yes, uh, Vicksburg had fallen, but Atlanta was still there. And Charleston was still there. Uh, Confederate Army of the West was still there. Uh, we hadn't sealed off the Port of Mobile yet. Uh, the uh, Shenandoah Valley was still a breadbasket for the Confederates. In other words, um, you know, I, I tell my students that um, you look at World War II and the Battle of Midway, and, and it's so interesting that after that point, the Japanese could not win. They, they couldn't win. It was just out of the question they could win. But we had three more horrific years of incredible bloodletting before we actually culminated 
and finished off that that victory, right? Just because you reach that tipping point doesn't mean that the the way down is 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 like straight downhill. There's there's a lot of tough slogging, and that's what happened after Gettysburg and Vicksburg. Um, I don't think the Confederates could have won. The only thing that could have happened after that time would have been that Lincoln would have decided he needed to negotiate, which is of course what McClellan and all of the others uh, wanted him yeah. to do. And and there's one other thing that I do think th- we have to bring up here and in light of today, yeah. and that is, did Lincoln make a big mistake in not totally banning the Democrat Party? <laughs> you should drop that bomb right there. Let me ask you, have we... <laughs> <laughs> lost t- have we we'll get to that in another let's let's Declare put a pin in that. We're gonna get to that in another in another in another episode um uh, <laughs> you certainly might have some of the war room posse that would give thanks to that um is have we today with all of our abundance and technology and obviously agricultural abundance and all that and obviously in time of inflation and in in a, a very bad economic times for people have we lost touch with Lincoln and 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 the uh and our um forefathers in the Civil War and the Pilgrims in this post-industrial and let's call it what it is a post-Christian or what the mainstream media calls a post-Christian nation have we lost contact and I mean real contact with the taproot of what makes this nation great it's interesting, Steve. I've toyed with this idea that they, they've kind of made a deliberate effort to get rid of Thanksgiving. And you see fewer and fewer Thanksgiving decorations. They they push Christmas now to before Thanksgiving. Uh, they they have in, this, in other words, it kind of goes from Halloween to Christmas and they almost try to overlook Thanksgiving. And I'm not sure if they see a strategy in that or not, if that's if that's deliberate or just a matter of the shopping calendar. I'm not sure, but it, anything that they do like that is suspicious. But yes, we're in a, apparently a post-Christian nation. You see the uh, number of young churchgoers uh, dwindling by the thousands. Um, it, it's it's not looking good. And a lot of this has to do with the, the uh, softness and the ease with which people have, have had things. Um, I'm sure you know of, uh, of um, the bubble test. Um, by Charles Murray in his book, Coming Apart. And he has these 25 questions that you can answer. Like, have you ever attended a parade that wasn't a climate parade or a gay rights parade? Can you name these five military insignias? How often have you eaten at a, at a Chili's or an Applebee's? Things like that. And uh, what's amazing is, is that we really are two nations. We're a group of people who experience those things, know those things, have them as common experiences. And then we're a group of people who are just absolutely clueless on those things. What do you think it's going to take to, you know, we talk about, uh, and I say, hey, you know, we're in a fourth turning. These two sides, these two groups on the bubble test or the politics of it, it's it's not negotiable. I mean, I I came out of the world of mergers and acquisitions and hostile takeovers where eventually you got to get in a room and try to put a deal together. And you always have to overlap those deals because they always kind of come apart. So you always, you know, get the, this is unbridgeable. It's been unbridgeable before in American history. And this is unbridgeable. One side's got to win here and one side's got to lose. Yeah. Is that too, is that too harsh a way to think about it? Is there enough of the common, um, uh, connective tissue back to our, uh, our, our, our higher selves of our forefathers? That could see us through this. I don't think so anymore. Um, you go back to I have friends who still want to refer to moderate Democrats. Oh, these moderate Democrats will see how bad these people are and they, they will vote against them. Well, they don't. Uh, they don't. There are no such things that I can find as moderate Democrats. Uh, Kirsten Cinema voted um, the right way the common sense way on a couple of spending bills. And she was just about ridden out of the party. They think Joe Manchin is an absolute uh, ogre. And and these guys are hardcore liberals. They vote for abortion rights. They vote for homosexual rights. They, they, they just moved a little tiny bit to the left and they're being ridden out of town on a rail. So uh, I do think that we're back to a, a civil war point, maybe without the violence, but one side or the other has to win this, 
win this fight because there's no more reaching across the aisle. There's no more doing what's best in the national interest. You have to have each side say, I think this is what's best in the national interest. The other one says, I think this is what's best. And let's go at it and see who wins. I tell you what, uh, Larry, if you can just hang on, uh, we've got one more segment and I want to wrap things up. Uh, I want to thank uh, our sponsors here. Make sure you go to a couple of things are going to happen on December 17th through the 20th in Metro Phoenix. There's going to be a gathering called America Fest put on by Turning Point USA. You can go to tpusa.com slash war room to get your ticket. Also, uh, you can get Charlie uh, Kirk's book, Half Price, The College Scam. It talks about the cartel that is the college industry, about how, you know, before you're sending your kid and running up uh, in debt, because remember, you're not a social justice warrior, so they're not going to be taking your debt, although they did say that was unconstitutional, so it may not happen. So you see about the benefits of college, you as a parent can make the decision or help your child make a decision. Your child should read the book. But you also begin to understand the cartel that is the cash machine that are these kind of radical propaganda centers, the college scam by Charlie Kirk. Also go to uh, MyPillow.com, promo code WARROOM. We got the 90% up to 90% off sale, all types of overstocked items right now. Mike's trying to offload a little inventory. So it's created some unique opportunities. Short commercial break. We're going to be back. With Larry Swikert, the author of The Patriot's History of the United States. Thanking the Lord he made you. This year when I count my blessings, I'm thanking the Lord he made you. And when the time comes to be going, Americans are discovering that if we want to change this nation, we have to change the way the marketplace works. Look, woke corporations are seeking to divide us. Big banks are freezing the accounts of people who disagree with their political views. And our supply chain is dependent upon countries that actively work against our values, like the Chinese Communist Party. It's time for a change. And that change starts with you and your wallet. That's why I'm proud to partner with Public SQ, the largest network of patriotic, freedom-loving businesses and consumers our nation has ever seen. Public SQ is the first app to connect freedom-loving Americans with their local community and the businesses that share their values. Whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms, a coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates, or a bank that can never cancel you for your political views, Public SQ is your guide. There's also interactive, sensor-free community groups where you can connect with other local members. And here's the best part of it. It's absolutely free to join. Just download the Public SQ app from the Apple Store or Google Play. Create an account and begin your search. You can also list your business for free so your local community can support you. Download the app today. Public SQ. That's Public SQ. Public SQ. Go to the Apple App Store or Google Play. Take action do this today. Getter has arrived. The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want the way you want. Download now. Okay, welcome back. It's our Thanksgiving special. Really want to thank everybody for being a part of this. Larry uh, Swikert, uh, what tell us what, any new books coming out, anything you're working on uh, before we wrap up here? I've started a uh, Patriot's History of Globalism, its Rise and Decline, and um, that's that's proving pretty interesting. Uh, I also have, <clears throat> this will probably be free. I've been working on um, America in the 21st century, which will be an extension of Patriot's History since they haven't, they haven't decided to publish a new uh, edition. So I don't want to leave people hanging. 
So I'm going to just put this out on the, my the, website. The Patriots, Patriots history of the modern world ends in, in when? Uh, 2018. No, I'm sorry, 2013. 2013. 23rd. So it's before you miss all of Trump. You got yeah. The Patriots yeah. history of Trump. Well, the, the, latest first edition of Patriots, the latest edition of Patriots history goes through 2018. Um, and on my website, the wildworldofhistory.com, we have a Black Friday special where you can get Patriots History United States, the Patriots History Reader, my biography of Reagan, Reagan the American President, 48 Liberal Lies About American History, and Seven Events That Made America, all for $114. It's a great Christmas oh, special. Oh, wow. So go to the Wild it's World of History. Christmas guest. Wild World of History. We'll put it up on all the sites and push it on all the platforms. Larry, any uh, any closing thoughts here? you got a minute or two of closing thoughts about what people on this day of thanks uh, to uh, to God Almighty uh, should be thinking about? Well, as much as we hate to think so sometimes, God's still in control, right? And he doesn't always do things that I would have him do. I would change a few elections. Uh, my first prayer every day, Steve, is God, thank you that you are God and I am not. <laughs> because there would be a lot of fried people walking around out there if I was in charge. So, uh, you know, uh we can't see the, the total future, but he can. And so we just have to rely on that. Well, it's every day. And remember, God works through human agency. What we try to do as this show is to make sure that we inform and empower folks. And so we'll continue on. I want everybody to make sure they Larry, thank you so much for taking this time away to to do all this. And the books are fantastic. I go to the Wild World History. I want to make sure we'll put the links up so that uh, everybody can get this amazing Especially you've got, what, 114 bucks to get all those books. It's just incredible. Larry Swiker, co-author of The Patriots History of the United States, thank you so much for spending part of your Thanksgiving with us. Thank you, Steve. I want to thank everybody out there. Make sure you have a fantastic uh, Thanksgiving with family, friends, or however you, uh, however you celebrate it and honor it. And I want to thank um, everybody in the team here that helps put together Real America's Voice, of course, our tremendous production team at the war room uh, and for all of our audience that is there for us and our sponsors I want to thank everybody that helps make this show so special particularly i uh, have always loved i think the last couple of years i don't know if it was dan fluett my a senior producer or myself i'll take credit that i found the johnny cash song but it's uh it's really been quite special and we're, and we're very uh very honored to play it i think there's no more american original uh than johnny cash and so we always start our Thanksgiving special with this very special song. And we always uh, end our uh, Thanksgiving special with this very special song. So we'll be back uh, tomorrow morning to this afternoon. will be a, a replay of this. We'll be back tomorrow morning. We'll get into all of it and pick things back up where we left off until then. Thank you very much for joining us on our Thanksgiving special. We're going to end with Johnny uh, Cash's Thanksgiving song. We've come to the time in the season When family and friends gather near To offer a prayer of thanksgiving For blessings we've known through the years To join hands and thank the Creator Now when thanksgiving is due this year when I count my blessings I'm thanking the Lord He made you This year when I count my blessings I'm thanking the Lord He made you I'm grateful for the laughter of children The sun and the wind the color of blue in your sweet eyes, the sight of a highball and train. The moon rise over a prairie, an old love that you've made new. And this year when I count my blessings, I'm thanking the Lord he made you. This year when I count my blessings, I'm thankful.
forsaken the Lord he made you and when the time comes to be going you don't be in sorrow and tears I'll kiss you goodbye and I'll go on the way grateful for all of the years I thank for all that you gave me for teaching me what love can do and thanksgiving day for the rest of my life and thanking the Lord he made you and thanksgiving day for the rest of my life and thanking the Lord he made you War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. 